15 years ago, we were right in the middle of uh, just explosive growth here at Real Life Ministries. Charlie Couch came to me and he said, you know, we've got this young guy that got saved not that long before. His wife had been Christian for, for quite a while. And this guy's a leader. And I had already seen Matt. I already knew he was a leader. Charlie Couch said, we need to think about him over there. And he said the same thing to Matt. And so when I went and talked to Matt, Matt's like, hmm. Well, then Jim Putman uh, cornered me one day as I was walking out of church. He grabs my hand, shakes my hand, and gives me this Jim Putman kind of lean in stare and says, I'm watching you. And I was thinking to myself, I like you, but you're kind of weird, man. You're kind of a creeper. And this relationship began to form. And over time, he started sharing with me more and more and more about what he felt like God's vision was, not just for real life ministries, but for me specifically. And in 2001, he hit me up and said, hey, I think you should plant a church for us over in the Spokane Valley. And I said, hey, I think you're crazy. At that time, we had made a decision that we were going to start with a campus. Instead of a full-blown church plant, Matt hadn't been a Christian that long, you know, three, four years. He'd been a home group leader. He'd branched groups. He'd done all that we'd asked him to do as a disciple maker. We knew he had leadership ability, but he hadn't really uh, been within the church as a leader. Uh, and so we knew that transition from moving from the, the secular world to the church world had its ups and downs. So we, we decided to go with it as a campus. And, uh, and so we started. We, we sent some of our other staff there. I think we started with three or four staff that went with them, some of them from our church, some of them were volunteers. And we had a big meeting here, and way more people showed up than we thought. It was in July of 2003, we got some offices. And we started to make it known that we were gonna have a presence in the Spokane Valley. We didn't even know where we were actually going to be meeting yet. We got the offices before we had actually secured Central Valley High School as the first place that we were gonna meet. And it was in the Commons area. And as anybody who can remember those days, it comes with a unique set of problems. It's uh, not exactly the most acoustically designed place. It started to grow, it started to grow, it started to grow there at the high school and immediately we knew we really need, we really need these small groups, these leaders uh, to be geared up, to be ready, to handle what it would be in terms of the same level of care that we had all experienced over in Post Falls. Those groups that, that we experienced there, we knew that we needed to have here and so we started working on that as hard as we could. And that's really where the change started taking place because of people, the people. We stayed there at Central Valley High School for a couple of years and the Central Valley School District said, hey, you know, you high would kind of like to take advantage of this whole thing too that you guys are doing. So what would you say about moving over to you high? And so, yeah, let's change our address. 
we're gonna go to U High for a couple of years. And so we ended up going to University High School. Thankfully, it's just a mirror image of Central Valley High School. So we knew how to set up there. We knew how to do everything there the exact same way. And so there really wasn't a, a hiccup for us. Uh, it just meant a change in location and a whole group of new people that we could reach in a whole new location. And it really continued to develop more and more and more momentum. And as we grew and we started to see a lot of different changes, we knew that the, the high school was a temporary situation from the very beginning. So we started game planning, we started thinking, we started looking at different places and property, and then we found this chunk of property that had been looked at by a lot of different uh, people, some schools and things like that, and uh, it had been prayed over by a lot of different believers and people for a long time, and the thought was that this chunk could be used in an area where we know that a lot of families are gonna be maybe moving down into what about, what about us? What if we were to plant a church there in the middle of it? So we looked and one thing led to another and it worked out that we were able to, to purchase this acreage that's right here. And we started game planning for that while we were still at U High, working toward that, trying to figure out what would be all the things that we needed to do in order to make this work and what kind of a facility would we even build in the first place? And being a church that was used to being mobile, used to being in a place that wasn't ours, used to not having a facility with which to rely upon to say, this is what we're going to do in order to be able to reach people for Jesus Christ one person at a time. Our mentality was, is to a certain degree, the building doesn't matter. The facility doesn't matter. What really matters is whether or not you and I are still going to continue to do what God has asked us to do, which is to go out and reach people, to make some kind of intentional effort to reach them. Not wait for them just to show up, but to do something to reach them. And that's what we did. We continued to. But God did bless us with and this opportunity to build a, a beautiful building, a beautiful facility in the middle of all of this acreage. And on September 7th, 2008, we moved into this place. And anybody who was there will never forget it. It, it was surreal. It was beautiful. It was one of those things, it wasn't so much a sense of ah, accomplishment, as, as much as it was a sense of looking at the facility going, oh, it's so pretty, so beautiful, like a brand new truck. But wow, am I looking forward to, to dirtying this thing up, soiling it up, making it used, getting it so the place was just filled with people, constant activity, all kinds of stuff going on where, like when I was at Real Life Ministries in Post Falls, you just couldn't help but want to be there because you, you weren't sure what was going to happen. Something fun was going to happen. God was going to do something in somebody's life, and you just wanted to be there to see it. And if you got really blessed, He used you to do it. So you wanted to get closer and closer and closer to where he was at. And that's what started happening. It was a lot of fun. After, of course, Matt came and, and then he's now planted another church from there and went through uh, years of ministry experience. Then Nathan came and Nathan was the perfect guy at the right time to go, all right, let's get our house in order. Let's financially get stable. Because, you know, they, under Matt, they had built a big building and that was costly. And, and Nathan came in and furthered it, brought stability. Uh, there's so many different things that I could think of and remember. Um, one of the days that stands out to me is August 15th of 2010. 
I remember that was about six weeks after Jamie and I arrived, and we had been told shortly after we got there that it was not looking good, and that August 15th was going to be the day that we ran out of money as a church. Uh, we kind of jokingly, Jamie and I said to each other, well, maybe we shouldn't unpack all of our bags just yet. What was incredible, though, is that God had something in store for that day that was beyond what any of us could have imagined. On that day, we started a series called What's My Next Step? And it was the first time that we got a chance to unpack the A, B, C, D discipleship process that's become so familiar there at VRL. And that first Sunday, when I invited people to respond, to invite Jesus into their life and to respond and be obedient in Christian baptism. Over 30 people came forward that day and got baptized, many of them in their street clothes. It was a day that I will never, ever forget. Um, just to see so many people giving their lives to the Lord in that way. It was breathtaking, and it began uh, a journey for us as a church that is uh, still being still being experienced there. Uh, I know the, the baptistry getting built uh, is something that I'm super proud of, uh, and uh, the opportunity that we had uh, to baptize uh, hundreds, even over a thousand people in that five-year stretch was um, something that I'll always be proud of. You know, I'll always remember uh, Christmas. I think it was 20... 11. It might have been Christmas of 2012, where we put everybody in the middle of the room. We had Eric on his keys and, and uh, just a very tight, small, compact band in the middle of the room. And uh, we circled around him, and he kind of invited us into his Norwegian Christmas living room that night. And uh, five times in that day, uh, we, we just had incredible Christmas gatherings. Uh, to this day, uh, it has kind of set the bar for me for an all-time Christmas moment. And I'm so glad that I got to be a part of that uh, with you guys. Nathan came in and furthered it, brought stability. And then um, when he went, you know, Valley Real Life came to us and asked if they could interview Dan. And to be quite honest with you, my first answer was no. Um, because Dan has been a close friend of mine and he was so important to what we were doing here. I needed him for my, in my weakness areas, and it was a real test of my faith to go, okay, God provided Dan, would God provide somebody else? And, and so, again, I told him no, and then I had to pray about it, and I, I couldn't make that decision for Dan. I felt that was wrong. I couldn't, I had to think more kingdom, though I didn't want to. And so Dan has now been there three years, and what I love about uh, the time Dan's been there is not only has the mission continued on, and even, you know, with Dan's abilities, it's, it looks a little bit different, but it's moving forward. But our relationship with Valley has become much closer. The eldership gets together. We do life together. We meet every month. And so I, I still get to see my friend. I didn't lose my friend. I don't get to see him as often, which means he's less irritated with me. But I still get to crush him in fantasy football. And, and, and the, the games, you know, he doesn't even play cribbage with me anymore because that was abuse. That was that's what I call cribbage child abuse. But I still got my friend Dan, and so we get to work together on a lot. Awesome stuff, guys! Awesome stuff. Hey, we're going to continue to celebrate, and we're going to kind of look ahead a little bit. So here's what we want to do. I'd love uh, everybody just to, if you could go ahead and please stand. You know, think of this as the seventh inning stretch. Okay, so go ahead and stand. Remain standing. Uh, here's what we want to do. This will actually be kind of fun, you know, for all of us. If you've been here for three years or less, three years for less, go ahead and take a seat. Three years for less. 
Okay, those of you, and you can look around every time we do one of these things, look around. You are my people because uh, you came. Uh, I've been here for three years, and uh, I just want to thank you for jumping in and being a part of what God's been doing here. And you're gonna, we're going to celebrate together in just a second what God has done in the last three years. Now, if you've been here for eight years or less, eight years or less, go ahead and take a seat. Eight years or less. Okay, you came, you know, uh, at some time when Nathan, you know, was the pastor of the church. Here's one of the things I want to say thank you to you for. You hung in there, especially if you were here eight, seven, or six years ago. It was hard to be a part of this church. There was a lot of turmoil and drama and financial difficulty. And when most people would be like, you know what, I'm out of here, you didn't. You stuck through, and because you stuck through, God used you to impact the the people who've been around for three years or less. So thank you for that. And so now if you've been here for 13 years or less, go ahead and take a seat. 13 years or less. Okay, you guys, you know, we're here during uh, the Matt King, you know, uh, uh, era. And I know Matt King goes back a couple more years. But uh, you guys are a little bit out there. And here's what I mean by that. You participated in worship services at a school, okay? You're like, wait a minute, a school? Yeah, you had to set up and tear down all the time. You had to uh, uh, try to figure out where you were going to host activities and meetings because it couldn't be at the church because it was the school. And so you had a vision. Here's the best thing I want to describe you. You were sacrificial because here you were a part of a small congregation who said, we need to extend ourselves. We're going to go into debt even because we have a vision for what God is going to do in this community. And you took those steps of faith in order for the rest of us to enjoy the splendor. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Okay, we want to see now uh, who's been around here near the longest. If you've been here for 14 years or less, go ahead and sit down. Okay, 14 years or less, because we are 15 years old today. Now, those of you guys who are standing, you guys are nuts. Uh, uh, The reason you're crazy is you're the entrepreneurs. You're the ones that have vision before there's vision. You don't even know where you're going to meet. You don't have no idea, you know, what this church was ever going to become. Did you ever think it was going to become like this? You know, it was hard to see way back then. And so uh, if you were here 15 years, in other words, you were part of the first service. The first service here. Go ahead and remain standing. Part of the first service. Can we just thank God for these folks? Okay, we're going to go back even further, okay? If you were part of the uh, uh, initial gathering at Farragut Park, you know, go ahead and remain standing. Was there anybody along that? Was there anybody there? Okay, uh, so if you were at Post Falls before you came, you have to stand back up. We got to find one person. Anybody at Post Falls before you came? Well, now we got too many people. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't work. All right, so go ahead and sit down. Okay, so here's what you want to do. What did you say? Okay, it was Donna. Okay, so Donna, we have a $25 gift card for you for P.F. Chang's because you've been a part of this place for so long. We were going to get $15. That's too cheap. You know, so that, just, that just feels wrong. You know, uh, it reminds me of the scripture. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, I planted the seed, he said, in your hearts, and the Apollos then watered it. All these different pastors has gone before, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. One of the things that I know about you is that you're here because there's something a part of our church that you do love. 
Otherwise, you've been gone. There's something about here that you actually love either now or in the past. So here I want you to do is go ahead and turn to the person next to you and share with them, what's one thing you love about Valley Real Life, both now or in the past? What's one thing that you love that has kept you here? Go ahead and turn and do that right now to the person next to you. Okay, we're going to get quick responses, popcorn responses here. People, small groups, it's real. Worship, children's men, free coffee. That's a, that's a mention in every service. That's the, that is the best, that's the one that's table. That's awesome. For, oh, donuts, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that actually next, for next week, but go ahead. Outside the walls, right. The Holy Spirit. One or two more? You. I agree. You. 100%. Okay, one more. One more. Communion. Uh, all these things, you know, and many, many more, we can go on for a long time, has helped make this place what it is. Our vision, though, is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. We exist for primarily for people who are not yet here. And that's hard because we are creatures of comfort. And as soon as our comfort gets kind of ruffled a little bit, we start letting people know. And yet, we have to remember that we're here because Jesus asked us to be here for him. And Jesus' purpose was to seek and to save those that were lost. And our job in this community is to continue to do so. As soon as we start focusing more on our comfort or what affects us, we begin to uh, plateau and then we'll begin to die as a church. But when we reach people, we're not just reaching, we're trying to help them become more like Jesus, which is to be and make disciples of Jesus. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You're not alone. I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. So the process that Jesus has given us, and you heard Nathan talk about this a little bit, is to be a disciple, but also who makes disciples. So that would be to, for, for me to be as disciples, to accept Christ, to belong with others, with him at the center, to contribute, and then to disciple another person. But to make a disciple means that, okay, I've already accepted Christ, now I need to share Christ, and I need to connect others who are not yet connected, and I need to help train other people to serve along with me, and then I need to raise up a disciple so that they can be released to be a disciple maker, so it continues on and on and on, to be a disciple that makes a disciple. So we want to celebrate what God has done, especially for those those of you who've been here the last three years, you know, uh, just to, to, to not miss, but at the same time, we're going to look to the future while we celebrate the last three years. So accept is to accept Christ and begin putting him as Lord of our lives. So many opportunities to remind each other about reaching people who are far from him. Uh, just to give you an idea, in just the last three years alone, this one surprised me. I didn't know until this last week. We've had over 550 baptisms in three years. Isn't that amazing? 550 baptisms. Uh, and, and as you can see, you know, over here, you guys, the cross, we started doing that this last year. There's 187 people this last year. You know, this cross is actually going to go dark next week, not because we don't care about people, but because every year we want to continue to be reminded that we've got to reach people for Jesus Christ. 
You may have noticed if you came in that the baptistry was painted over this week. And that's intentional. Every single year, we want to paint over that to then, you're invited now to come up after the service or during the week or next week to write down names that God has put in your sphere of influence, at your schools, you know, in your neighborhoods, in your families, at your workplaces, at your leisure places, and that you're praying on a regular basis so that every time somebody gets baptized, it's a trigger for you to remember to pray and that God wants to use you to reach another person for him, which is what this church is about. Uh, we want to continue to be a place, you know, where through relationships, through relationships, people come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So a couple things that you're going to be doing as we head to the future. Uh, uh, number one is next, uh, next year, we will be fully uh, changing and updating our website. Yeah, I knew. Well, I know five or six of you would be excited about that. Here's the reason and how it relates. People visit the website well before they come to the church. And so we want to make sure we're doing every effort that we can to try to connect people. So that'll be happening this next year. Uh, those of you who love sports, you've realized the power of you sports. So this next year, you know, you're going to see a sports outreach called Elevate. We're going to pilot this. You know, instead of just, you know, saying, hey, you're prioritizing sports too much. We said, no, we need to build a bridge so we can continue to reach people for him. Uh, now, belong. It's about we and God and not, and not just me and God. A lot of times we think the American, I'm an individual American, it's like, no, my relationship with God. No, no, that's not biblical. All the YOUs and scriptures that we like to personalize, you should be retranslated in the Greek because it's plural to y'all. Y'all, it's a communal thing. So when we individualize that, we miss the heartbeat behind the entire Bible, especially the New Testament. So it's about we and God. And so belong starts with weekend services. It is the first place to belong. To give you an idea of what God's done the last three years, in 2015, we were averaging right at 1,500 people a weekend, which is absolutely amazing. But in 2018, we are now averaging 2,200 people a weekend. This is average, not counting Christmas and Easter. We praise God for that. That's 700 people a weekend. And it's because you're inviting other people and you have that heart just like I do. It's not about gathering a crowd. It's about helping people discover Jesus and go on a discipleship process. And so with this growth, God seems to be leading us and challenging us to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. So once again, we'll do what we try to do to convince, bribe, question your salvation about changing services, to make room for other people, to park further away, to try to, try to park you know, by the shop or up the hill, to make room for the guests who are coming. So we'll always encourage you, especially at the 930. It's always our busiest services. We will have overflow, the 930. You'll start seeing it starting next week. 930 and 11, we're going to offer overflow in C1, uh, which is just the room right across the way. To entice you to come to 8 o'clock, we are offering for the next three weeks only, and only at the 8 o'clock, buy one, get one free donuts. Not donuts, that's coffee. You get free donuts and buy one, get one free coffee because we know you need a little pick-me-up just in order to get here. You know? And it's crazy. Football season has started, so it's another reason to come. I don't know what kind of carnal thing we need to use, but here's what I know. It works. So come on. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. We got to make room you know, for other people or Thursday night as well. We're processing, because of the growth, a fourth service next year you know, on Sunday morning to try to figure out how do we do this? How do we make this happen? Maybe even as early as 20 or as late as 2020, uh, depending, uh, it all depends on how our satellites go. And so speaking of satellites, uh, we will open our first campus, VRL Otis, on October 7th in just four weeks from now. October 7th. Can we just praise God for that? 
Now why? To reach that community for Christ. There's going to be some after school programs. Maybe that's where our first VRL preschool, you know, begins uh, to alleviate some of the pressure here. In fact, I want to invite you. We have an open house on the 23rd and 30th of this month from 1130 to 1. So right after you're done here, get in the car, head over there, tour the facility, grab a hot dog, and even spend some time praying for what God's going to be doing there before we actually officially launch. Now, if you are planning on going and serving, you know, being a part of Otis, you already know that now. Can you please stand? Can you please stand? If you are going to go to Otis, we got some hashtag Otis shirts on. I know we got that. Stand, stand, stand. Cool. Stay standing. Okay, those of you who stood in 14 and 15 years, these are your people because they're going to an unknown. They don't know what it's going to be like. They've heard, but they're willing to step out in faith and say, we believe in what God is doing. We hear a call and we're willing to, to, to accept the call to do something that's different in order to reach and help people in the discipleship process. So I want you to join me in prayer for these people and for Otis. Can you do that with me now? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the willingness of those in this room and the other services have already stood to say, we will stand for you. Lord, we'll go where it might be a little more uncomfortable at first or just different or change is hard. And yet you are drawing us, you are calling us, you are allowing us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And so Lord, thank you for those who are standing. Continue to lead them, bless them, guide them. Help us to know how best to love, serve the community in Otis. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys. Thank you so, so much for doing that. Uh, we, I said satellites, and I didn't mean that because we're going to launch our second satellite next fall. And so we'll let you guys know where we're thinking and processing this coming spring. Now, with all of those things that we've talked about, there's still one major thing that God is calling us to do here, and this one's going to be hard. He's calling us to double this facility. And so in the next three years, you know, we know that God is calling us. We've doubled the kids' area. We've added a park. We're going to have to add more parking. We're going to have to double this auditorium in order to continue to reach people for Christ and help them in the discipleship process. It's going to cost great sacrifice of our time and talents and treasures to be able to do that. So I'm just going to ask you to pray because here's what I know. I don't know exactly when and where and how God's going to ask us to do this, but I do know that we will go with our hand opened up. We will walk forward in faith and say, God, your plan's your direction. So I'm calling the entire church to join me from this day forward to praying for some of these things. So will you join me in prayer and say, God, we don't want to do what you don't want us to do. We seek your face. So join us together. Now, weekend services are the first great place to belong, but the best place is to belong in groups. Discipleship best happens in circles, not in rows. So if you have been in a small group in our church, can you just raise your hand? Raise your hand. Now, this is what we're about. This is what Eric talked about. You know, it's not, it's beyond the weekend service. It's, it's getting to know one another, which is why, not, very intentionally, when you came in, there's a tent outside. Today and next week is our small group fair, which means if you're not yet connected, don't know where you're getting, going, going to be going, head there. Just have some conversations. See what God may be doing in your life. In fact, uh, every three or four seats, there was one of these connection booklets as you came in. If you didn't get one of these, you can grab one at the connecting point you know, on your way out. In it, it tells you all the different ways that you can get connected beyond weekend services. So there's community groups in the first number of pages. There's men's, there's women's, there's next generation. Parents, if you've got kids, you're going to want to read that. Uh, there's, there's all of these classes and events, young and old. Everybody is welcome to find a place, and we want to encourage you to do so today. Also, if you're interested in making this church your home, that we have our next DNA class next week. What a better time as you kick out the fall to say, this is the church that I want to be a part of as we move in the future. Now, before we move on to contribute, 
There's something fun and powerful about wearing the same uniform, isn't there? There just is. I mean, today is the, that marks the day where people start wearing their football jerseys. And you see it all over the place. And what that does is it says, I'm associated with. And then when you see someone else wearing that same jersey, you don't know them. You may not even like them. And yet you walk over, high five, you know, I love you, man. Well, how come? Because I'm wearing a Seahawk jersey and so are you, you know, and, that, and there's some bond that takes place, you know, some tribal experience that happens. And, and, and so we did something that was very tribal and experience about a year and a half ago, and it was this, okay? We did it just as a, a way for you to identify that there's other people that live in your neighborhood who also attend this service, I mean, this church, but maybe not the service that you're in. And so you start driving around. You start saying, we thought these things would fade away in the winter. Oh, no. You guys decided to keep grabbing these and keep putting them up in your yard. We've had so many people who first heard about our church because of these things. And so we're like, well, okay, there's something tribal going on. So we, then we started thinking, we're like, well, how can we keep expanding that? And so it got uh, into our heads. So how cool would it be is if you went to the store and you recognize the same thing? Movie theaters recognize the same thing. So as you leave, and we have enough for one per family today, we have VRL window stickers, people. Who's excited about a window sticker? <laughs> Some of you guys are not excited because you actually have to have to drive like a Christian. I mean, this is... <laughs> This is a reality. All of a sudden, like, oh, I can't, you know, there's the line. I ain't going there. So we have one. We got one per family, you know, as you leave today, just to be able to commemorate. And how cool would it be, though? When, because, again, people start asking, what, what is that? What is it? Why do everybody have these things? And there's something that's connective about that as well. And, and so contribute is our next one. It's the next thing to disciple. Giving our time, talents, and treasures to God. If you serve in any capacity here at VRL, can you raise your hand? you serve in any capacity, thank you. Do you realize we couldn't do it without you? Uh, in fact, if uh, uh, you are serving in any small group, in other words, you're leading a kid's small group, a youth small group, a women's group, a men's group, community group, if you're leading any one of those in the past year, can you please stand? I want you to stand. Guys, here's why this is important before we clap and get excited about these people. You are the pastors of our church. There is no way that the pastors in this church could serve, love, and disciple 2,200 people if it wasn't for you guys stepping into the gap and being the heartbeat behind the church, we wouldn't be where Jesus wants us to be today. And so I just want to say on behalf of the staff, the elders here, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what God has done through you. Can we just give these people a hand? Somebody said we're about contributing outside the walls. We are. Local international outreach. If our church were to disappear, would the community and the world notice and would they grieve? And it's not just about drawing people here. How are we going out there? You know, our four aims for the community and world is to love kids, redeem stories, plant churches, you know, disciple nations. And we've seen that over and over and over again. So it's serving inside and outside the church. It's also giving back to God what belongs to him in the first place. Uh, do you realize, I, this one shocked me as well, Christmas Eve, 100% of the offering that we take always goes outside these walls. We've only done that the last three years. 100%, every single penny and, and cent, you know, uh, that com comes in goes right out the walls. In three Christmas Eves, you and I have given over $215,000 to go outside these walls. Isn't that cool? 
You gave financially above and beyond to pave the way. If you've been here for longer than two years, we know we doubled our kids area and this didn't used to be the front of our church people. You know, is that people who were before you, if you've only been here the last two years, gave financially and sacrificially for a $1.2 million expansion project for the parking and the double our kids area so their kids would have more room. And as of a few months ago, that was 100% paid off debt-free. Isn't that something cool? No, no, exciting. You know, this year we participated in Waymaker. Waymaker, you know, is a match. A family in our church says we'll match up to $500,000 that it would go towards debt pay down. And so it's a matching gift. And so at the end of July, we were at $377,562.74 is what has been given, which means the match, which has already come in, is $755,125.48, which then means that there's somebody in this room who's going to give $122,437.26 to finish it off to get the $1 million match that would be able to pay off debt. We have to the end of the year. But here's why. It's not just to get rid of debt for debt's sake. Although that's wise and financial prudent, it's so that we can have the margin to continue to expand what God is calling us to do in the next few years, which is, again, to disciple people. Discipling is being an intentional discipleship relationship with other people. We have to be a church that connects more and more with Jesus. We have to go deeper as we, as we go wide. It's the only way it works. It's the only way it, it should happen. And so we need to continue to go deep in the word and in prayer. In fact, the elders are going to lead us in this. And starting next week, during the 930 service, you're invited to just to join the elders in prayer. You might have prayer requests or you just want to pray for the church. That begins next week. There's so many different things that are happening that you're going to want to be involved with as we continue to move forward. But again, in Proverbs 16:9, we can make our plans that the Lord determines our next steps. So for you, what is your next step? What is that? When you came in today, you should have had this on your seat. You might be sitting on it if you didn't realize it. It says, so will I. Uh, you see, it's, it says our A, B, C, D process, and you walk through it, and you ask yourself, where am I? In this process, and where could I be this next year? What step do you need to take? So when we take steps individually, then all of a sudden collectively, when we're all taking steps, it makes a huge difference in our lives and lives of others. So I'm going to ask our worship team to come out. Because it got me to think about the nation of Israel. Joshua, who was leading Israel at the time, was told by God to lead them into the promised land. And he led them in there. And for several years, it was a battle. It was a fight. It was painful, it was hard, blood, sweat, and tears to get to where they had the land. How similar is that to our journey so far? It's taken blood, sweat, and tears. Great sacrifice, great intentionality, great ownership, ups and downs, wins and losses to be able to be where God has called us to be at this moment. And so Joshua gets to the end. Now they've arrived. Now they're in the land. Now they're, we're in the facility. Now we've been here for a little while. And he says to them, he says, you've got to choose now on this day whom you will serve. It can't be based on the past. It has to be as we look towards the future. Whom will you serve? And then he says this, I can't make the decision for you. I'm going to make it for myself. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And you could kind of picture it, what was taking place in the minds and the hearts of the people there. Because you know it couldn't be a communal decision. It had to be an individual decision that became a communal decision. For they would respond in their first in their hearts. If that's what you're going to do, so will I. Then another family, so will I, so will I, so will I. We, and then this response we read biblically, we will also choose to serve the Lord. But it starts individually. So what is your next step? Because where we're going 
What God is calling us to do, he's looking for a group of people who will individually say, I'm in. So will I.